0: As you find your seats, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the church, the mysterious bride of Christ, and what the Father thinks of us. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 3 and a couple of verses there, uh, 8 to 13. We're also going to turn to the book of Acts, Acts 2. Uh, so for those of you who uh, have your B-I-B-L-E's, you may want to put something in Acts 2, and we'll be. Back and forth between there and Ephesians 3. But congratulations, Orangewood. Congratulations. Today is another day of significance in our history. You may have woken up this morning and didn't realize that today is a big day for us, but it is. Because today, for the second time in our history, we have become grandparents. Because Avalon Presbyterian Church begins public worship today... It is a a plant of Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church, our very first church plant. And we just rejoice that as we see uh, God's kingdom being advanced, we see uh, more and more people given great opportunities to come and be a part of the Bride of Christ. Congratulations! And I'm hoping that grandparents sometimes are better than kids. Grandkids are sometimes better than kids. Is that not true? You know, we can love them from a distance, try to support them, and maybe it won't be so messy because we know the churches are messy, except for ours. (laughs) Ours is perfect. You might be asking, do we really need another church? I mean, maybe you read that recent article, fabulous article in National Geographic about uh, City Beautiful, about the churches that are here. Maybe many of you are... Kind of asking the question, why? I mean, don't we have enough? I mean, are are there enough churches here? Why are we bringing on a church planner and TED? Why are we celebrating? Do we really need another church? Well, let me tell you, God's Word makes it painfully obvious, painfully clear, hopefully excitingly obvious and clear, that the mystery of the church is this. That God has chosen before time began, before He created anything, He's chosen us to be the primary vehicle in which He wants to reveal His manifold wisdom and beauty. Did you hear me? God has chosen us, the church, as being the primary vehicle that He wants to use to show to the whole world I am beautiful, my Son is glorious. Look at my bride and see my beauty. Look at my bride and see my manifold wisdom. We, Orangewood, we, the church, we are the A-plan to advance Christ's kingdom. Have we heard that before? Certainly, we spent a lot of time looking at Christ and His kingdom, realizing that individually, for those of us by God's grace, that have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light, For those, by God's grace, that God has set an eternal love upon. A love that was so deep, so unfathomable, that He would send His Son to come rescue us. Sure, we're part of the A-Plan because the blood of Christ has washed us of all of our wickedness. Sure, we're part of the A-Plan because the righteousness of Christ clothes us. Sure, we are part of the A-Plan because God's Spirit indwells us. But it's not just individually that we're part of the A-Plan. You see, really, the A-Plan is a corporate A-Plan. The A-Plan is a we. The A-Plan is a church. And before time began, God in His good pleasure decided to reveal His glory, His beauty, His manifold wisdom through us. Sometimes I say, what were you thinking? But He does call us the A-Plan. He says, now listen, church, You're a city on a hill. Church, you're the salt of the earth. Church, you are the vehicle in which I am going to display who I am in my beauty and my glory. Church, the world should look at you and know that the Gospel is plausible and real. Church, the world should see the beauty of Christ in your midst because we're the a plan. Could you have picked a better weekend for an art festival? Is this not beautiful or what? I mean, this is Chamber of Commerce weather. I mean, the last couple of days, absolutely perfect. I don't know about you, but I want to rub it into all those people who aren't enjoying it, you know? For those of you like me that might have friends and relatives in places like Buffalo, New York, don't you want to call them? Just hang your cell phone out the window and say, just listen to how beautiful it is here. Well, what a great weekend for the uh, traditional Winter Park Art Festival, and this year uh, has a little bit more meaning in my heart. My daughter, Jessie, has uh, some work there. Um, Go and see that she by far is the best. Uh, But, you know, each artist that is going to be on display at the Winter Park Arts Festival or their art's going to be on display, they have to choose what medium they're going to use to display their knowledge what they're going to use is to display their wisdom, uh, their gifts, and the abilities that you and I can go and see. And so they might choose oil and canvas. Uh, they, they may choose chalk in a sidewalk. They might choose clay. They may choose PVC pipe. It doesn't matter. They may choose whatever to display what they know and the beauty of their art. God could have used Anything that He created, He created all things out of nothing to display His glory and His beauty and His wisdom. Certainly we know that all of creation speaks of Him. The Scriptures clearly tell us that as we look to the stars and the sun and the moon, they speak and they tell His story. They tell of His glory. They tell of His renown. Of His might. We look at the trees and the rivers and the oceans and all that God has created and they too speak And tell a story of a God who is an intelligent designer who loves. But none of that, God chooses to use to display his manifold wisdom and beauty. He chooses us, the church. Is I want the church to be the A-plan. I want the church to be the primary vehicle in which others will see my beauty. We have two passages today. The first one's in Ephesians 3, and this will be the scriptural support of what I am saying. It's not Jeff's words, it's God's word. What we're saying that the church is God's A-plan. That God has decided to use knuckleheads like us to advance Christ's kingdom and display his manifold wisdom to God be the glory. How could you think of such a plan? And then we're going to look to Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, 44 through 47, which really is a picture. It's a portrait. It's us taking a little journey to the art festival of God, and it's on display all the time, saying let's go look at the beauty of the church as God has intended it to be. Let's go look at the manifold wisdom of God on display in God's Word. And that'll be in Acts chapter 2. And what's going to become very apparent is that God has called us as an A planet, but he's called us together. we really got to have a common identity. We are family. We've got to have a common mission. What is God calling us to do? And we've got to have common possessions that we're using for God's glory. So turn with me to Ephesians 3. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13, and then we'll go to Acts 2. Remember, God, because he loves us, gave us his word. His word is holy. It's without error. Not only that, uh, it will never lead us astray. So let's read God's Word together. I'll read out loud. You can read silently along with me. To me, Paul writes, to me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here's what Paul says. I don't deserve this. Really, of all the saints, I'm the low of the low. I used to persecute the church, hate the church, try to kill the church. And yet, unbelievable, God has called me to be an ambassador with a specific message to go to the Gentiles to tell them of the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. Now, unsearchable doesn't mean that we can't discover them or we can't delve deep into them. Unsearchable means here that we can never find the bottom of the riches of Christ. Do you know the riches of Christ? Do you know the riches of Christ? Though He were rich, He became poor for us. Do you know the riches and beauty of Christ that for sinners like us, He would demonstrate love, that He would stretch out on a tree and bleed so that we could be cleansed and whole? Oh, do you know the riches and the beauty of Christ that He would robe us in His righteousness, that He would call us His own, that He would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you know the unfathomable riches of Jesus? If you do, your heart will sing. And it's for this that Paul is, is preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So Paul, being a part of the light of the world, is going to bring light to everyone. What is God's plan? It's been hidden for some time. This plan includes Jew and Gentile who created all things. So listen to verse 10. So that through the church, through us, through those that God has set an eternal love on and called to Himself. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. God wants to have us be the A-plan so much that He wants to tell of His wisdom, His glory, His story through us. Not just to this earth, but to the heavenly realms as well. Listen to this. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that has been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's good news, my brothers and sisters in Orangewood. We are not the B plan, the C plan, the D plan, the E or the F plan. God wasn't frustrated with what happened before us, so much so he says, well, forget it. I'm going to try this thing called the church out, and hopefully you'll get it. No, this is a plan, a mysterious plan, that God would choose to use us to display his glory, but it's an eternal plan. It was in God's mind before you were born, before anything was created to be His, to tell His story, to speak of His beauty, this mystery that He chooses us to be the A-Plan. And He did it before time began. In whom in Christ Jesus our Lord, for those of us who can call Jesus Lord and Savior, are the church, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Let me tell you, We are the bride and He is the bridegroom. And the boldness and access that a husband has with the wife and the wife has with a husband, the most intimate of relationships, now in Christ, my brothers and sisters, Jesus says, come boldly, you're mine, and I love you, you are the A-plan, come into my presence, I will never drive you away in Christ Jesus. Oh, what access we have. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Very interesting to me that Paul says this, I'm suffering for you. Now, of course, we know that he's suffering for Jesus. Of course, we know that he has a fellowship with Jesus in suffering. But he's saying this, I'm working hard for you, the church, because you're the A-plan. I'm suffering. I'm being beaten and stoned uh, and cast away. I'm being left as naked ball for you and for what for your glory isn't that amazing he's saying this i'm doing this so you'll be beautiful i'm being doing this so you'll be a city on a hill i'm doing this so jesus will be loved and adorned through you wow what an incredible uh gospel that we have that he was proclaiming who we are in christ now turn with me to acts chapter 2 and look at the picture let's look at this incredible art festival of god and how he gives us a picture of the church and he says this Christ has risen. The Holy Spirit has come. The church is growing. And this is what happens. And they devoted themselves, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. Talk about being in awe. God was doing some miraculous stuff. And they knew that they were family. They knew that God had chosen them to change the world and broken people like us. They knew that although they were red, yellow, black, and white, although they had different gifts and abilities, that they were one in Christ Jesus. They had the name of Christ. They were Christians. And because of that, they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions. And this is what happens when the Spirit comes and we realize that we are one in Christ. This is what happens when the church catches fire to the mission God has for us. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all any, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, it's amazing to think that we're the A-Plan. That we together, God, come and remind us and speak powerfully. Father, we need to hear the shepherd's voice. We need to be reminded of the beauty of the bride because we feel pretty dirty. Father, speak so we can hear. Speak so we can understand. Speak so that we can be broken and built up. Speak so that we can be empowered. Father, forgive the, sinner, the sins of the sinner that sits before you. God, use a broken vessel. To declare your beautiful truth. All for your glory we pray. Amen. Okay. How many of y'all watch 24? 24 watchers. It's okay. Go ahead. You can raise your hand. How many of you have ever ever even seen one episode of 24? Anybody ever seen at least one episode of 24? 24 is the only series that Katie and I watch. We got addicted into it a couple of years ago. About a year and a half ago, we watched, and we had friends who said, You got to watch this. It's incredible. And sure enough, we got hooked. We've gone back and we are now in the third season. We've watched the first two seasons. We're in the third season. We're watching the current season. And by the way, sometimes we get really confused. Is this happening now? Did it happen later? What in the world's going on? But 24 is about a series around a guy's life. The main character is named Jack Bauer. He's a CTU agent, a CTU agent that saves the world every week. And he saves the world every week in an hour span. It's amazing. Millions of people hang in the balance. And Jack Bauer is the man. And it's so convenient to Jack. He not only saves the world, he does it in a time where you know, like right at like, 58 to the hour, the best stuff's coming. He always waits to make sure the best stuff comes right, right around the top of the hour. It's amazing what he does. But really, if you don't know Jack Bauer, probably the best way to describe him, it, it has been said that Superman and Jack Bauer got in a wrestling match. And the loser had to wear his underwear on the outside of his uniform. (laughs) If you didn't get it, ask the person next to you. You know, in a lot of ways, I think Jack Bauer represents the church. In a lot of ways, I think he represents our mindset. You know, Jack Bauer, I mean, he's a hero, he's a superhero, he's a savior, a world savior, but he really doesn't like authority. He really doesn't like anybody else to do it, uh, to tell him how to do it. I mean, protocol is not something that Jack Bauer follows. I mean, he is a rogue agent that's out there saving the world on his own. And don't really tell him what to do. He doesn't like it. As a matter of fact, his best operations, his best work is usually done solo. Yes, he leaves a wake in his uh, trail behind him, a wake of destruction, a wake of those. He's saving the world, but he's doing it in a roughshod fashion. Basically, saying, I am the hero. I will save the world the way I want to save the world. I will save the world the way I feel is best. I will do it my way. Really, when we look at Jack Bauer's life, and, and, and I think it's seeped into our life, the life of the church, where we realize God has called us to save the world, but we think we have to do it individually. And not only that, we think that really individually is maybe the best way to do it. And really, um, together, it just slows us down. And what is this church authority stuff? And what is the Bride of Christ? I want to be interested in my things. I want to do it my way. I want to use my gifts the way I want to use them for God's glory. And sometimes they fit the church and sometimes they don't. But so be it. I want to be Jack Bauer. I want to do it my way. Is that the way you think of the church? I mean, really, are we a bunch of individuals called to save the world and we're all going to do it on our own and no matter what other authority tells us, no matter what God has for us, let us be the Lone Ranger. I think we live in a mentality right now in today's day, the individual knows best. And there's no more submitting authority. There's no more greater good of community. Lone Ranger time. We see the church, not an individual, the church, is God's A-Plan to advance Christ's kingdom. All right, spring break time. Great time to go see NASA. How many of y'all have been over NASA? Two of y'all. Wow, I mean, that was delayed. Have I been to NASA? Have I, oh oh, yeah, I've been to NASA. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Well, really, if you haven't been, let me encourage you to go. It's pretty mind-blowing because NASA is really man's A-Plan to send people to outer space. If you want to go to outer space, you want to enjoy space travel, the vehicle that you got to use is NASA. It's really your best chance to get there. Man's A-plan for space travel is NASA. And man, does NASA display man's manifold wisdom, does it not? Does, Does NASA not just absolutely display for us man's manifold wisdom? I mean, let's be honest with one another. Aren't we pretty smart? Are you kidding me? We have put people in a capsule, we have sent them, we've blown them up, sent them into orbit, we've landed them on the moon, and we've returned them back here safely. We have vehicles that will go into orbit, go into the outermost parts of space, and come back in the same vehicle. I mean, it blows me away. Man's manifold wisdom is displayed at NASA. And I don't know how you can go and not be in awe of man. I am. But again, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm in awe of a fax machine. I mean, tell me how that sucker works, okay? I don't know. But the fact that we can launch shuttles and we can launch rockets, it really is a display of man's manifold wisdom. Let me talk to you a little bit about God's manifold wisdom. Let's talk about the God who created the heavens. Let's talk about the God who created the heavens out of nothing. Let's talk about the God who has placed them all in their place and holds them all together. Let's talk about God's manifold wisdom to create all things to love broken sinners like us. Let's talk about the manifold wisdom of God to even make a one human being. Talk about wisdom. Talk about being in awe. And God doesn't say, I want you to go to NASA to go see my manifold wisdom. I want you to go to some really incredible institute to see my manifold wisdom. You know what God tells the world? I want you to look at the church. And I want you to be in awe of the wonder and the beauty of the God who is. The wonder of a God who would lower himself and become one of us. The wonder of a God who would send his son to wash us. The wonder of a God who would die so that we could live. The wonder of a God who could be broken so we could be healed. The manifold wisdom of God is on display here. Here. This is the primary vehicle. This is the A-plan that God has used to advance His kingdom. In Houston, we have a problem. I mean, truthfully, church, we have a problem. Uh, We are in peril. And we need all hands on deck to safely get this vehicle home if the church is God's number one plan to advance His kingdom, if the church is the primary vehicle that God is going to use to display His glory, all hands on deck, this is a call that we got to do everything we can to make sure she is beautiful. This is a call to say, you know what, it's no longer about being Jack Bauer. It's no longer about prep projects. It's no longer about doing it your way. It's no longer about what feels best for you. I mean, we're family. We're together. This is the A plan. We've got to see what's best for the church and for the glory of the church. We've got to work hard that she is beautiful and that we're using every gift we can to make sure that her mission is a success. You see, we are the A plan. In church, we have a problem. The church needs the brightest and the best to make sure she gets home safely. And so oftentimes, there's so many other opportunities, there's so many other opportunities uh, ways to advance Christ's kingdom will be seen. We say, "Well, the church is just one of the vehicles," and there's a lot of really good things out there. And I know, and many of you are in many of those great things. Many of you have started many of those great things, and God is using them. And listen, feel God's pleasure in all of them. You really do. But you got to realize that oftentimes we are so spreading out the resources for the kingdom that the church just isn't as beautiful as she could be, and she's weak and she's limping, and we got a problem. And it seems like we all have Jack Bauer mentality, that we're just going to do it our way. But that's not God's will. It's not. We're the A-plan. For our church to get it, and for us to be what God wants us to be, our church must have a common identity, first and foremost. We must have a common identity. We can't forget who we are. Red, yellow, black, or white, doesn't matter. They're precious in his sight. Listen, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. In Christ, we're his. Listen, in Christ, we're his. Do you know that? Do you have that identity of Christian? Do you have that name placed upon you by God's grace through the work of his son? If so, you're my brother, you're my sister. We have a common identity. It's true. We're family. We are. We just can't just say it and not be it. We are. He calls us family, He calls us his family. He's the head, we're the body. He wants to work through us. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to carry one another's burdens. He wants us to hurt when one has cancer. He wants us to hurt when our marriages are failing. He wants us to hurt when we're impoverished. We're family. We have a common identity, one another. It's not being a rogue agent out on our own hoping to make it home. It's about a family sticking together. And aren't there times that it's just family time? I mean, parents, isn't it? I you sometimes so sick of what, hearing your kids say, well, this is what so and so is doing, this is what so and so is doing. And you just want to scream out and say, you know what? It's family time. It's family identity. We got to focus right here. Man, I said focus on the family. We are. We are family. And listen, we need one another to function properly. Not only that, our church must pursue a common mission. We must have a common identity. We must pursue a common mission. We can't forget what God has called us collectively to do. Houston, the church, we have a problem. It's so difficult in a city like ours. Read that article from the uh, National Geographic about this city. It's so hard for us sometimes to have a common mission because it seems like everybody has their own. Is it not true? I mean, even the churches, they seem to be so spread out, and we want to do good things, and we want to have our resources go to the right things, and we want to make sure we're maximizing our dollars. And I tell you what, when you have Jack Bauer theology, you will take your dollars and use them the way you feel is best, the way you think the kingdom will be used the most. And God says, listen, the primary vehicle is the church. That should be your primary use of resources. That should be your primary use of time. That should be the primary way in which we advance Christ's kingdom. We should have a common mission. God has chosen the church to be a city on the hill and He wants her beautiful. God has chosen us to be the salt of the earth and He wants us to change community through the church. And if we take all of our resources, we go, boom. And we take all of our missions, we go, boom. We miss it. And we'll never be as effective. Everyone just seems to have sometimes their own agenda. And I think about some of the resources that we leave on the table at Orangewood. Like any great wife, and Katie is one, we walked yesterday and I was telling her what God was putting on my heart and she, in love, was saying, Jeff, it's, you might offend some people. I said, you know, it's, it's not my intention. I promise you, I love these people. But I do believe that there's this primacy of the kingdom of God and the church that we're missing. It's, it's, it's something more that I'm going to come and take, and I'm going to come and feel good. And I'm going to come, and I hope they sing my songs. And I hope they do communion right this time. And, and, and I hope that Jeff's finally on. And I hope I could leave here feeling good about myself because i got to go get to church, and i got to suck some life out of her, so that I can go and live as Jack Bauer. And all these resources, this family, that God has given to us, so the bride would be beautiful, so that we truly will be a city on the hill. It's his a plan. This week was Ligonier Conference uh, down at First Baptist, Orlando. Some of the greatest thinkers in reformed theology were there. I don't know how I didn't get invited. I didn't this year. Um, but it's amazing. It was completely depressing for a pastor. You go to a church like 10 times this size, and it's full. i thinking, man, look at all these people. Where are they? And then one of my heroes was there. was John Piper, and, and, and John is just awesome because he loves the truth, and he just preaches from a pastor's heart. Just listen to John Piper's prayers. You know he loves Jesus. And he was talking about an argument he got in recently, uh, kind of slipped into with some brothers and sisters in Minneapolis where he's from. He said there was an article in the newspaper that was basically uh, chiding Christians and Christianity, saying, you guys are so inclusive. You're so inclusive. You know, why do you say Jesus is the only way? What is the matter with you? Really, why don't you just include us all? I mean, let's be one big happy family. Let's put our arms around one another. And what Piper said was absolutely true and absolutely brilliant. If it is true what Scripture says, ye who have the Son, you who have the Son have life. And if you don't have the Son, you do not have life. Listen, the most loving thing the church could do is say, You need the Son. The most loving thing we could do is not to say, oh, it's whatever, just let's put our arms around each other. Isn't that true? Isn't true? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus is the only way to life, if you have Him, you have life. If you don't, you don't. Isn't the most loving thing we can do to stand before you and say, listen, Jesus is the way. You want life, it's only found in Him. If it's true that the church is the primary vehicle to advance Christ's kingdom, if it's true in Scripture, it's not arrogant. Is it not the most loving thing that a pastor can say and say this? It's the primary vehicle God chooses to use to advance His kingdom. It's the church. It's a mystery why he would use us. It really is. It's a mystery hidden from time ago. It includes all of us, but it's us. It's A-plan time. We've got to be on mission. And if we're taking all of our resources, we put a little bit over here and a little bit over there and a little bit over here and a little bit over there, we miss it. I really believe, Orangewood, that we have so much gifts and abilities that are still on the table here because we haven't seen the primacy of the church. Not only that, our church must share common possessions we must leverage all that we have for the glory of God. Listen, we must share common possessions because all that God has given to us is His. You know what 9-11 revealed? Remember what came out of 9-11? What 9-11 revealed was the problem that we aren't sharing common possessions and intelligence. The huge hole in the redundancy that's created that the FBI wasn't talking to the CIA, and the CIA and the FBI didn't even think about the local law enforcement. Do you know, unbelievably, that some of the terrorists that flew planes into our buildings were picked up by local police? But intelligence was, was never passed down. It was never shared. Common possession was never shared for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. And that's how I feel right now we're living in. I feel like the CIA knows something, the FBI knows something else, the local church knows something else, and we all want to be Jack Bauer. We've got to have a common identity of who we are in Christ. We have to have a common mission of being a city on a hill. And we've got to have common possessions that we are sharing everything we have so there's not redundancy, so they're not holes, so we're not inefficient. And let me ask you do you think your little part matters in the bride of Christ? Do you think what God has given you before time began matters? Did you see the challenger? Were you there? I was. I I, I watched. What brought it down? An O-ring. An O-ring. An O-ring. One little part caused a tragedy for failing to operate as it should have. Listen, the tragedy of the church is that she is not as beautiful as God wants her to be. And oftentimes because leaders like me Aren't making her beautiful, and I'm sorry. It's oftentimes like leaders like me have our own agendas. It's oftentimes like leaders of me care more about my name than his. I also think it's also members like us who say, I'm Jack Bauer, and I know that's best, and I know how to use my resources, and I'm gonna do it my way. And the church suffers. Are you on the right bus? Are you dating the church or are you married to her? Are you really on the right bus? Have you committed to say this is the vehicle that God has given me to be under authority, to be a part, to be loved on and to give back? You've got to be on the bus. And if you're on the bus, ask yourself the question, are you making the bus beautiful? Or are you there just for your own joyride? I mean, really, do you care about her beauty? And, and are you using your resources? Are we like Paul who says, I'm going to suffer for her glory? We need you, we need you. I wanna see Central Florida changed. I really, 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 really want people to love Jesus. And I wanna see crime down. I wanna see marriages healthier. I wanna see more people in love with Jesus. And We're the vehicle. But we gotta do everything we can to make her beautiful. Sometimes I think that we're kinda of like stealing from mama. Let me come and get mine and go be Jack. We've got a great opportunity next week. It's a ministry fair. Let me encourage you to come uh, with an open heart and asking God, what do I have? Bring it to Jesus. This is on all of our ministries, but it's in your insert. It's a bulletin insert. Uh, Pray about it. You know, my, my goal today isn't to make you feel lousy. My goal today is to try to preach truth. Thank you for all you're doing for the bride of Christ. Thank you for the ministries that you're involved in. Thank you for how effective they are. Thank you, I know they are. But just ask yourself the question, am I making the bride beautiful? Let us pray. Father, this is a call, all hands on deck. All hands on deck, because we are your A-Plan to advance your kingdom and to show your beauty. I thank you that forever you are faithful, forever you have loved us, forever we are yours. Father, as we stand and we proclaim what we believe and we proclaim your love that is, endures forever, be pleased with us and make us beautiful in Christ so that your bride would be beautiful and the world would see your manifold wisdom. We pray in Christ's name, amen.